everyone. Welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. I'm Jordan. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, this is our second episode for Highly Inspired 2.0. We hope that you guys kind of enjoyed our last episode and hearing about um, all the changes that we're making moving forward. This episode, we really want to talk about all the different industries out there that are actually profiting off your human weaknesses. Um, there's a lot of things, especially in the healthcare industry and in politics. Uh, social media, the news, just ev- there, ev- there's multiple industries out there that we really feel like people aren't as skeptical as they should be. And these mm-hmm. industries are really taking advantage of our busy lifestyles and just our um, inability to kind of overlook these things. I don't know. Yeah. I think going from, say, kids, we're all taught from such a young age to trust higher power people of authority or people who have gone to school for so many years to become a doctor or um, be a broadcast journalist or be on the news like you have been taught for for your whole life to respect those people and listen to what they say and implement the advice that they give you but as I've gotten older and Ella you too like Mm -hmm. we're realizing that there's so many things that are either straight up lies or are just so manipulated because these industries are businesses. Mm -hmm. They're not out doing what they're doing because they truly care about you. I mean, obviously in some cases, like there are, but a majority and a theme that we are seeing is that they're businesses. They want to make money and they're profiting off of these manipulations that they're bringing into your life. And so what we kind of just want to talk about is it is good to be skeptical. It's really good to question things and kind of develop your own opinions based off of your deductive reasoning and your own critical thinking on whatever that matter is or whatever um, these industries are presenting. Um, And so I've been trying to do that. I'm still learning because it's a new kind of practice when you haven't been taught that your whole life. Um, But yeah, maybe maybe we have some advice or maybe not. We just kind of want to talk about this because there's so much here and so much to like unfold. Yeah, and I think honestly like it's a natural thing as a kid to trust authority because you know you're taught to be polite by your parents you're taught to respect your teachers respect adults so you know when you have something and you you know when you have these institutions that come off as they're that they're trying to help you it's sometimes hard to see past the mixed motives that might be there. I mean, there might be some individuals, for example, and some doctors in the healthcare industry that really care and want to help their patients, but that doesn't take, um, you know, that doesn't take apart from the fact that there's a whole macro industry at place that is so global and so large that Mm -hmm. it's really hard to track that in our busy life, especially as we have more access to technology. There's such an ease that comes with living in 2020. (laughs) I mean, if you think about living standards um, now compared to 100 years ago, a lot of people don't face the same type of adversity that they used to. I mean, you used to live for 45 years was life expectancy and now people are living to be 100 years old we're all losing our minds and emotional stability because of a pandemic when if you look back at just a couple centuries ago everyone died from small smallpox and that's just what was happening yeah and like i don't know just for a comparison yes none of us have experienced this in 2020 compared to the other years of our lives like no one has ever dealt with this even Mm -hmm. our parents who are a lot older have never dealt with this before But still, 2020 is a completely different 
environment than previous generations of like actual adversity yeah. or just a different version. And obviously we are only products of our environment. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot that we can compare to if we haven't like gone through it, but it is definitely something to like think about and try to like empathize with, I guess. Yeah. I mean, obviously there is still adversity in the U S and there, um, is certain people that have really, really hard life experiences. But I think it's almost a different type of adversity. I think that there's a lot of mental... There's a mental health crisis. There's an opioid crisis. There's a family institution crisis. There's um, an education crisis. It's kind of... It's a different sort of adversity that almost presents simple solutions and society's gotten so lazy that they want to solve all these adversity problems with very easy prescribable things and we kind of just take it in because we don't really want to fully deal with the magnitude of the problem and people I mean people used to have to like build log cabins from scratch (laughs) like you literally like yeah like we like like you didn't have I mean I would rather be a poor person in 2020 than like an upper middle rich person in the 1800s because at least you have like running water and at least yeah. you have like a toilet we have toilets every... didn't even exist like it's just wild to think people about people tend to think that we do so much by ourselves no we have all these other companies and industries implemented into our lives we have insurance companies and like all these bills and wi-fi and alarm systems like there our lives are composed of all of these businesses making it easier for us yeah there's a very small amount of things that we actually have to go out and completely do on our own at least this is just our experience Mm -hmm. and like I don't know. I think people tend to like overlook that and just think that they're entitled to it. Yeah. Which really like none of us are entitled to anything. We're just human beings partaking in society. And so I don't know. I think that's a really good comparison to kind of like look at those like past generations and Yeah. There I know it's like we, we do right now, especially in um the world and on social media, we're having a lot of discussions about privilege and um, all the the meanings behind that and kind of comparing different people's upbringing but we never talk about the privilege of living in a certain time period which I think is super interesting we never yeah. talk about like how lucky we are to live with um iPhones that basically are mini computers that walk oh around gosh. with us all day you know people always look back and are like what was the biggest invention of all time mm-hmm. honestly I think the wheel for sure the printing press and I'm not kidding that device is one of the like top four. Mishu Kaku, who's a famous theoretical physicist, he claims that that is like the device that was the next revolution of like, mm-hmm. um, I guess, human connection, yeah, human productivity. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, computers do a lot, but that is mobile. Like, that yeah. was the first device that allowed us to whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we we talk we've talked about social media. We talk about these things um, a lot, but. That concept of living in 2020, the 21st century, that overarches everything. Yeah, for sure. And kind of um, bringing that back into some more specific realms that we want to get into, uh, I think the first thing that we kind of want to talk about is uh, the healthcare industry and, um, you know, all, all the things that go into that that you don't really question. I mean, doctors have such a level of authority I and mean, we've seen that especially with the pandemic I mean you're just constantly 
you know, when your life's in danger or you're trying to solve a problem, that's the expert in the field. And especially if you have no medical background, you don't have a a mom or a dad that has a medical background, you're going to trust that person till the end. And I remember even with something as simple as when I was getting braces, the first orthodontist I went to said I needed headgear. And I was like, I was like, what? Like, and my mom was like, I guess we should do it. And she's like, you know what? We're going to go to two other to other orthodontics and we're gonna see who's the odd man out and it turns out the first one I went to was the odd man one out and he I think that they probably wanted more money or they just were overcorrecting yeah. it or and the other two were like no you're fine you just need normal braces and some rubber bands and you're off and you're good like I don't know it's it's funny that dude every kid has braces maybe not full headgear that's beyond I would what that just doesn't even make sense yeah I don't know. I don't I don't I don't I never saw your teeth before that I never had like, headgear but I mean I they never were had braces it. and I never needed braces same with my brother but our dentist still tried to make my parents bias braces mm-hmm. and it's like they create this narrative because they get so much money from these parents. Yeah. Another thing I just found out, fluoride, which obviously like there's some people think that fluoride really is okay, that you can just like have it in your water and whatever. It's actually really bad for you. Really? And especially at the end of your like teeth cleaning or whatever when they put the fluoride on your teeth. So you know how they say don't eat or drink anything for like an hour after? Yeah. The reason why is because you're not really supposed to swallow it because your body doesn't digest it well. Mm. And talk about like gut issues what yeah. it can do is it like uneases a lot of the like microbiome inside your gut and that's really important like is that more important than your teeth i think so because all your organs are in there you're like vital organs and yes it can help with creating tooth enamel but like it's just it's a these are the things yeah these and are it's the small it, things that and it, are incredibly important for your overall health and well-being that just because someone who went to dental school for four years says that you should do this doesn't mean it's actually going to benefit you as a whole. And I mean, maybe it could, but you should be able to have that information in order to make the risk or choose which risk you want to do. Um, And I think something that you kind of brought up is that, like, for example, when you go uh, to the emergency room or whatever, they don't list out how much everything's going to cost until the very end. And then they invoice you. What other business... $1,500, like a minimum for just a random ER visit. What other business have you seen where you see the prices after you order? It's only the medical field. They literally hide how much everything is going to cost until like... Totally. Like it's like a few... Yeah. And and they... And even at the end, they're always so like tentative or they give just like one little document and they're just like, oh, yeah this is for you like when you're done or like when yeah. you're discharged or something. And it's like a massive bill. And there's so the many things that you, some people didn't even need. I know like when people, like I had a friend that just went into the ER and had his shoulder misplaced and he was like, no, you can just pop it in. Like, I don't want to be put under. And they were so persistent on trying to put him under. And I was trying to understand why. And then I realized you can charge so much money for anesthesia, like thousands of dollars. I'm so glad you brought up anesthesia because that's another thing that people that um, the meta, the healthcare industry doesn't advertise is anesthesia is basically the only method used for most surgeries, mm-hmm. and it is a brilliant, brilliant invention and innovation that we have now implemented and have at our disposal. 
But there are a lot of disadvantages to it. And, like, I've also researched this in terms of, like, the brain and, like, what it can actually do. People can have, like, memory loss for, like, a while or have, like, all these things that happen to them. Like, there are side effects. And just as just as you get a prescription, you have that sheet of, like, side effects and stuff. Like, they make it aware. I have had multiple surgeries and they've never told that to me. I had yeah. to, like, go off on my own and, like, find that out and yeah. research it. Another thing that, um, you know, speaking of things that affect the brain and and that sort of thing um, and trade-offs is birth control is something that we don't, we don't, I mean, so many women are on birth control. It's a very common thing, especially um, starting as early as, you know, 14 and 16. It's even yeah, helping like period right regression. Yeah, start, yeah. Yeah, right when they're getting to high school, it's a very, it, se- it seems like a very normal procedural thing, but no one talks about that we're putting kids on hormone pills for potentially like 15 years of their life, and why haven't we thought of a better solution that's more natural? I mean, it's been, what, the 1960s when the pill was invented like why haven't we progressed to find something and we pour all this money we pour all this money into all these other like sectors of developing health care and it just seems like it's kind of getting either brushed under the rug or it's just like all right it's there like I feel like that's like the vibe towards it and we're talking about a massive amount of women and not just for like a couple years there are so many girls that take this and they're on it for like 10 years and it's just like a part of their daily routine. Mm -hmm. And we have, um, alternative methods than obviously just taking the pill. Like we have the IUDs and we have like the, the slip that goes in your arm and stuff like that. But all of these methods still inject those hormones Mm -hmm. and still like mess with the hormonal system. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a healthcare person, but I definitely can see from like an external perspective that like something's fishy, like, I don't know. It's kind of what I can... Well, I mean, I don't think it's purposely fishy, but I just think it's it's kind of lazy and confusing why it hasn't been evolved more or why there isn't an option for men or why... I don't know. I mean, I just think that it should be a more serious topic and you should really fully understand all of the side effects before agreeing to be on something for 15 years of your life so yeah. either you know like you you knowingly agree to it so you're like okay like you know the I weigh the risks and rewards and I'm going to still go forward with this because I parents, you know I don't want an unintended pregnancy you know mm-hmm. so I get that but it's I also think parents should try to be as educated on it as much as possible because if they have some teenage daughter or an adolescent daughter who might need to go on it to regulate their period or something like that, I definitely think if it's not going to be a doctor that's going to explain everything, parents should be as educated as they possibly can on making that decision before they end up making it Mm -hmm. and not just always trust like, okay, the doctor's like, you need to get on this or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's with any medication. You should honestly, like sometimes when you're in these experiences with certain doctors it feels very pressuring just sign up on something quickly to resolve the problem and that kind of mm-hmm. goes back to our theme of parents being it's I don't want to say la- kind of lazy easy way out it's yeah. the easy way out whether it's um if you know ADHD medication or antidepressants or opioids which all these things I'm not saying that certain people shouldn't be prescribed these I mean these are great technological advances but really research everything understand 
this before even talking to the doctor so that you can make sure you're educated and asking him questions while you're there and you're using mm-hmm. um, the doctor's time wisely. Definitely. Another thing I found when I was researching cancer statistics, um, I'm sure, okay, so basically the, the leading um, version of cancer is breast cancer. And obviously majority of those cases are women. I wonder if birth control has anything to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that honestly there has been some mixed reviews in terms of articles that I've seen, and there definitely has been some that have been alluding to that. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm going to research it more because that seems very interesting. Yeah. And like... I, I don't know. It's it's hard because I'm interested to see... I mean, what now? Now we have like almost... 60 years worth of data from birth control so maybe we can start making more of those conclusions one way or the other um but I know you know even 20 years before that there just wasn't enough data on that to make those sort of yeah conclusions I'm sure and we'll find out more too like I mean these are massive industries with massive amounts of money like obviously people are invested but Yeah. yeah I mean I definitely am gonna go off and try to keep as up to date as I possibly can. Yeah, and I think something that um, Jordan and I wanted to bring up is that, you know, it doesn't take someone who, it does even an educated person can get caught up in these traps and these um, confusing dilemmas of authority and, and who to trust and who not to trust. I mean, perfect example is Jordan Peterson. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with him. We've referenced him on the podcast but he is a trained um psychologist and that was his profession and so smart so well-spoken so reasonable and he struggled with depression and went on this whole spiral of things Jordan you just listened to his podcast his wife was going through a health crisis and as any like loving husband would obviously be extremely overwhelmed and anxious about it he fell down this rabbit hole of getting prescribed um, benzo, I don't benzodiaf, benzodiazepines. That's yeah, what they're called. Shortened for benzos. Benzos, <laughs> easier to say. <laughs> but basically, that is like the overarching title for um, drugs like Xanax and Valium and and hardcore anxiety medications. And he just got prescribed the wrong dose, the wrong entire situation, and it ended up leading him to have all of these other horrible side effects that he wasn't prepared for. And so he's not only dealing with his wife's health issues, but he's trying to figure out his new health issues that he had never had to deal with. It was only because he started taking these drugs. And then he went on this whole journey of traveling the world outside of America, an American healthcare system. Like he went to Russia and like Serbia and like talking to all these other people, which is something like it's so foreign because I've never been outside of America for anything medical. medical and people do that. And it's crazy. I don't know if it was because he didn't trust what was here or he just wasn't hearing what he wanted to hear. I'm not well, sure. What but- happened is they were, I mean, especially when he started off in Canada, they were promising him treatments to weave off of um this benzo medication and it's it's very similar to a xanax you said right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so and 
so the, these facilities, these clinics would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do a, a homeopathic way to get you off of this. It's going to be very, like, <laughs> and it ended up just, we're just substituting this drug in for another one, you know? And it was just yeah. this constant, like, just subbing in a drug for another one. And so he never was getting off the cycle. And he was just getting progressively, progressively worse. And, I mean, you have real withdrawals from this. And he said that at max you should be taking this drug for two weeks. Yeah, and and he was it's on not it for like months. a long term. Yes, yeah. and and it was given to him as a long term fix, and not that you know even even drugs that are less intense than this that people end up going on for the rest of their life like, uh, like I just said, ADD medication, antidepressants, birth control. birth control. You know, some stuff you do have to be on for the rest of your life. I'm not advising against that, but definitely, it shouldn't just be a band aid. You know, if if you're struggling with ADHD if you were born with that you you should also look into behavioral ways to address that as well as medication if you need it same with depression you know look at behavioral things do cognitive behavioral training therapy in addition to your medication because if you don't have this holistic approach you're just balancing out the chemicals in your brain without going to the root of the problem that caused it you know um and I think a lot of parents, I mean, everyone's so busy nowadays. I mean, less, a lot of people work and have kids, and that's great. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's awesome that we're in a culture where that's acceptable now. But, you know, your kids are still, should be the priority. And, and mm-hmm. it is important to take that extra time to really help them figure out their problems long term. Yeah. Can I tell my allergy story? Yeah. So I struggled with horrible sinuses for pretty much my whole life because I was born with a deviated septum. And when I got to high school um, and I played um, a sport, it was really horrible for like breathing, especially in Arizona, like when it's so hot. So I went on this journey of trying to figure out how to solve my allergies. And I started with going to the sinus doctor And this was a doctor that was recommended to me and my mom and my family from like multiple people. Um, I started going into him and literally my first appointment, he just prescribed me this um, antibiotic to kill whatever infection he thought I had, which I didn't have one. I was just taking these antibiotics just to take them and um, antibiotics, unless you truly have a bacterial infection, aren't really good because it kills your good bacteria. And Mm -hmm. we have a balance of good and bad bacteria. So um, that messed me up. I ended up getting two sinus surgeries because I needed to fix the septum. And then after that, after the surgeries, they prescribed me two rounds of 75 pills of hydrocodone. And it was a massive dose of these painkillers. I didn't take a single one of them. Um, I ended up just throwing them away, I think, because I didn't want them to fall in the wrong hands. Um, But then beyond that, basically... After years and years of getting prescribed antibiotics, and then I even started on allergy shots because they were telling me that if you inject the allergen, it'll mm. rewire your system to try to like build like an, an antibody. Immunity. Yeah, yeah, but apparently that's completely false because it just it destroys your immune system in a way if you do it like all the time. So I started with this more naturopath, homeopathic physician who studied at Duke, went to Creighton um, Medical School, worked in New York for for so many years. He lives here now, and he is so against, like, just this frivolousness in prescribing things. After two months of working with him with, like, more homeopathic, natural 
Um, I don't want to get into like all the technical stuff of what I was working with with him. My allergies are completely gone. Like completely gone. Not a single prescription, not a single supplement. He gave me some like diet recommendations and like maybe some things to do on my own. But like aside from that, there was nothing else that I needed to do. And like it was just so crazy going from seeing how one side like goes about it versus the other side completely different and I feel like this other side people aren't educated on at all Mm -hmm. people just aren't either either familiar with it or haven't been down a path that leads them to it and so it seems daunting there's this stigma around homeopathic for some reason that it's like a negative thing or that it's not trustworthy mm -hmm. um but I want that to change because even in the olden days look back at 1800s 1700s all of the medicinal treatments back then for just everyday things were herbal, natural. Like, obviously, a thing like smallpox you need a vaccine for, something really important. Um, there, will always, there will always be medical situations where true drugs will be needed, and that's why we have the technology that we do. But I think that a lot of everyday things can be solved with more um, at-home methods that don't just mm-hmm. be like, okay, take this drug. Well, I think what's funny with your story is that, you know, a lot of times people associate homeopathic with more work and less chance of success rate. And it was the exact opposite with you. You went down the traditional medical route for your allergies and it ended up being like a four-year ordeal versus a two-month thing. with surgeries and it messed up my immune system and it causes exhaustion and all that stuff and then I'm talking two months literally two months well and and I think also when you go down a homeopathic way you kind of have to take more personal responsibility on yourself you have to I bet you're tracking everything that you're eating yeah you're switching up your diet you're trying to eliminate the triggers I know for me I have a very weird sensitivity to sun I know that sounds really weird but like I get it triggers like migraines and extreme headaches and Mm -hmm. so now it took me probably a year or so to really figure that out narrow that down but now it's like okay I just know like I if I go outside I have to wear sunglasses I have to wear a hat like I have to be super cautious because yeah and everyone's different this is what I feel like the healthcare industry misses with prescribing drugs everybody's different like we are we seem like we are all the same with how our biology is but no, I mean, some people have certain sensitivities to this or a different reaction to that or mm-hmm. allergy to something. And so not every drug is going to have the same result or effect on every single person that you yeah. prescribe it to. And I think, too, not every like people have different levels of addiction and kind of talking about those painkillers that you were prescribed. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Phil, Um, He was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast probably a year ago, and he really dialed down on this issue. And he said that the opioid crisis is a huge problem in the U.S. He said that, very similar to what you said, people have these surgeries and they're not even super major, and you're prescribed 90 days worth of painkillers. And people, people are confused. They're like, well, my doctor gave it to me, so I must do that many days. And really you should have a week max. And if you still need pain management, then go to your doctor and work it out, get some more medication. days, but not, yeah. So say you just get a nose job, 90 days worth of pain meds. We're producing for them to just have this much at their disposal. Like 
the, these, the amount of drugs that are being manufactured, I don't know the stats of how many are produced here in the U.S. I'm sure a lot are also produced outside of the U.S. Like, that is so much. Yeah. It's all synthetic. Yeah. 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 And he also explained how, I thought this was crazy, that a lot of opioid prescriptions actually lead to people developing even heroin addictions, even the demographic mm-hmm. of, when you think of heroin, you kind of think like, oh, you know, like a younger person or someone who um, got into drugs at a really young age and has continued on this path. But no, I mean, people result to, you know, when drugs get too expensive that they got hooked on that were prescribed, they go to the streets. That's always what it is. And he's kind of explained even these soccer mom types in upper middle class families yeah, like the result least, to yeah. the group that you would least suspect would get into that but when you're addicted or when your addiction is developing yeah. it gets to the point where you're just okay I need the drug or like yeah. you need to keep it going because you don't want those like withdrawal mm-hmm. symptoms and I just think that's so I that's so sad it is really sad I actually didn't know that about that demographic though obviously yeah. I've I've seen so many stories of younger people maybe individuals who just went down a wrong path when they were teenagers or something like that but no it's there's every age group and every demographic for sure yeah um the narcotic issue is still being figured out um the opioid crisis has been around since i think like 30 years now yeah um i will probably never end up, if I do get another surgery, I probably won't end up taking those painkillers as much as, it depends. It depends on what it it, is. Yeah, and obviously if you're in the hospital and you have some horrible accident, um, they they tend to prescribe like morphine and they'll put it through an IV or something like that. But I definitely think that the urge of of certain surgeons or um, medical providers to just kind of prescribe a massive amount like that after a surgery when people feel like they have to listen to them, That's where I want to recommend to be a skeptic. Yeah. Like, be a skeptic about that. Mm-hmm. Actually do your research. Question, okay, is this really right? Should I be doing this? Like, I don't know. I mean, doctors are really smart, and there are many of them who um, are where they're at in their lives for a reason. But I feel like they're also products of the system where there's a boss that owns the hospital, and then there's a, another boss, and there's another boss, yeah. and then there's a department um, chief, and then there's all these... Um, branches of doctors and they're just a piece in that whole industry and we're talking billions of dollars like that's what's at stake and I feel like there's also a big um, factor of how the healthcare industry doesn't want to kind of change some of the things that they're doing because there's so much money in it yeah it doesn't benefit them I mean it it doesn't benefit the company that manufactures painkillers to have doctors prescribe less. There's a whole system. There's a whole benefit between these doctors and these um, drug manufacturing companies. They have this great relationship going on. And guess who gets screwed? Us. <laughs> we get the, the screwed. public. Yeah. You know. And so, you know, if they're not going to fix the problem for you, you need to be empowered to be a skeptic and really think through this. Be critical. Spend time on it because. You're only given one life. You're only given one body. So love yeah. it, discover it, understand it, um, and just treat it right and, and make decisions the best that you can. You yeah. Know? And also in regards to the cancer industry, for example, 
do you think after all these amazing things we're able to do, like creating humans in Petri dishes and um, 3D printing organs for surgeries and transplants, like doing all these amazing things, there, we have solved a lot about cancer that I think doesn't get advertised and a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that it's one of the leading causes of death and that so many people end up facing it and there's just so much money in it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know enough about cancer to really speak to that, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I think um, I think that if, yeah, you're less incentivized to solve something if there is, is a, a financial, g- yeah, financial yeah. gain for it, which is really horrible and sad. Mm-hmm. Um I guess we'll just we'll have to see. see where things go. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully there'll be a cure for cancer. And, um, giving yeah, that that's what everyone great. always I know. I remember even when we were little kids, we were talking about that. Um, Something that I hear a lot, especially with the prevalence of like e-cigarettes and Juul and young people smoking a lot. I mean, lung cancer is another. It's, it's up there with breast cancer. Those are like the top two. Mm-hmm. I wonder... Um, I would never work for one of those companies. Let's just put... I'm going to say that right there. For like a jewel company? Any company that produces and manufactures these devices, I would never work for. Yeah. I don't respect what they do at all and how they market what they do. I feel like their entire campaigns are just to kind of fill the void of, okay, we know people are addicted. Mm -hmm. We're just going to feed their addiction by trying to pose it as, okay, this is healthier. Oh, yeah. But it's not exactly healthier. When we were were 15, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but Arizona was the first state that Jewel was rolled out. We were 14. It was like they rolled it out here. It was a test market, essentially. And I, and I, was, we, I got one of those we, when I was 14. We grew up thinking that it was safer than cigarettes, that, that it was fine, that there wasn't, that you weren't going to get cancer because that's, their, that's yeah. what they marketed. They were like, goodbye to cigarettes. This is a healthier, more technologically advanced method of providing you with that pleasure that you want when and it's so, just as bad and you're actually it's taking actually, in chemicals probably even worse yeah because at least in a lot of cigarettes it's mainly tobacco which not gonna lie it's a plant what the hell is the liquid yeah that is in these cartridges that you're inhaling i don't know and people have continue to be more addicted to the point where like they're going through pods and cartridges like every day multiple well, times a and day. The, the thing about jewels is i mean we've talked about this before so i don't want to get too into it but i mean you can just whip it out whenever and take a hit whereas with with a sig i mean you really have to have a lighter on you you know you can't be in public doing it because it creates a lot of smoke it, it's just a lot more of a bigger process so you're a little bit more limited mm-hmm. in when you can indulge in that whereas a jewel is so easy so on demand going back to what we're talking about this generation in 2020 where we can just get anything we want and it yeah. just fuels the addiction you no, know? totally. Maybe that's that's it. We're we have ev- we have access to everything. Mm-hmm. Like everything is at our disposal. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, wow. I just kind of had a little epiphany <laughs> there. Sorry. No, you're good, dude. Um, I mean, kind of, you know, moving back into um, Jewel, and I mean, that's been a huge thing that's been both in the media and social media as well as well as the mainstream media Mm -hmm. and that's a whole nother those are two other industries that I find nowadays really hard to trust I mean social media 
now Twitter is having fact-checking and whatnot, but it's like, do I even trust that fact-checking? I don't even know. Like, it's just, it's it's so hard. And so many people take anything that they see in writing that looks somewhat professional as an automatic fact. And I feel like you constantly have to, like, research that, check the source, make sure it's, you know, a valid point. So Um, as we know, recently there have been a lot of events going on and there's a lot of politics in these events. I think I've been able to see that on social media people do understand that a lot on social media can be manipulated and that people speak their opinions and it might not be true. It's more like a community based. But I don't really see a lot of understanding that it's the news agencies that are just as bad. Yeah. Because social media can be a little bit more unwarranted where it's just individuals kind of speaking their minds and stuff. We have also been taught from a young age that the news is the news. If you see it on the news and it's like a network on the television with people who are dressed up in suits and dresses and pearls and like are speaking to you, that that's real. But a lot of people like just, I think people forget that they're also a business and they're also making money and they're about the clicks. They're about the headlines. What can make the public tune into what they have to present? Well, and and the news, I mean, I was just listening to, um, this podcast. I, I think it was honestly Jordan Peterson from a few years ago and he was kind of laying out how the public has started why they don't trust the news as much as they used to. I mean, even mm-hmm. 20 years ago when we were little. Yeah. And it's because the news is competing with podcasts and social media. And the only way they can do that is by clickbait. So they put up these like crazy outlandish titles of articles and that sort of thing. And yeah. it, it's working for them in the in the short term. But it's in a the short term but, fix. But in the sure. long run, people people's trust is just going to keep decreasing and decreasing of yeah. these new sources. That's and not a reliable method of yeah, trying to retain Yeah, it's not a great um, long-term uh, solution. So it'll be interesting to see. And I think I'm starting to realize that there's literally six companies that own all these news sources. Like, it, it's so... The money's so far back that it's not even a free working entity and these journalists can't even be real journalists all the time you know they're yeah they're really curating what people are saying and and it's almost more like blogging Mm -hmm. I don't know not gonna lie I've been trusting the the news that I've been listening to in podcasts probably the most at least during this year because I don't, I mean, I look at Twitter, I look at social media, but I have always had that filter on that I know that a lot is manipulated and a lot is kind of more geared towards, I don't know, just people kind of speaking their minds. But on the news, same thing. Like I've just, I have that filter on too. And I think that more people should try to um, get in the in the habit of even watching and watching the news and reading mm-hmm. articles published by those yeah. news companies. There are industries that are profiting off of reeling you in yeah. and keeping you engaged whether I mean they probably over dramatized stuff yeah. too well and I think too like like you said following specific podcasters but also specific journalists like maybe you don't say like oh I'm gonna fully 
trust this news network? Why don't you say, like, I'm going to find the most reliable journalist within it, and then you follow that journalist. And then you could maybe have certain journalists from the Wall Street Journal, some from the New York Times, you know, whatever, whatever. And and you kind of compile that as your, um, you know, Ella McFarlane's source or Jordan Craft's source, you know? And this kind of goes back to, again, our our overall theme, whereas, you know, we have this culture of, of... fast information everything at our fingertips that is brewing kind of laziness and we're we're lazy to process information we want to process information so fast and we want to quickly spoon fed we want to quickly accept it as facts so that we don't even have to like critically think Think. about it you know Mm -hmm. yeah um but you should and and you know, I mean, th- this is the stuff that shapes your opinions and you want to be the most educated about all these topics that are going on. And um, the best way to do that is just read as many sources as possible. Yeah, I really like your recommendation of like following a journalist, someone that you can trust or I don't know, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. podcasts are great because it's unfiltered content. Like at least most podcasts where... Um, say a politician or a psychologist sit down and speak with stats it's not going and editing that document or editing that article Mm -hmm. changing this word to keep you in it's like complete unfiltered content or discussion in more of a verbal sense yeah and and it's crazy because podcasting has proven that humans are actually a lot smarter than we think and that we can actually handle yeah we can actually handle a three-hour conversation i mean joe rogan is one of the most influential people in the world and he has three hour he publishes three hour long conversations whereas these news companies (laughs) do like five minute segments (laughs) yeah and they read off a teleprompter yeah because they feel like they have to have every word count exactly no and this we've seen this with television even 10 years ago the sitcoms of friends and and seinfeld that were 20 minute long episodes we thought that people could only handle that. And then think about no, Game of Thrones. We have full length, hour long episodes for years. Yeah. And people get so invested, but that's like what it's about, you know? Like feeling like you have a purpose within something. Yeah. And for like, sure. honestly, that's kind of what I look to podcasts about. Like, even though I listen to multiple, like, there are these shows where they sit down and it's a long f- version of content, like, consumption, mm-hmm. but you you actually gain more because the amount of dopamine that you're releasing isn't just getting dumped out. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, the dopamine stuff relates to the narcotics and the opioids too. And that's, that's the reason why people get addicted because dopamine is the, is the chemical that's released in your brain when you feel happy or when you feel like pleasure. Um, and that's what these drugs end up kind of overdriving your dopamine release, which is why they crave it so much is because it makes them feel a way that they haven't before. And then once they get off of it, then they feel depressed because it's like nothing can ever match up to that amount of like dopamine releasing. Mm -hmm. And when you engage with social media, social media is an addiction too. Like you can get addicted to that dopamine like coming out and even watching movies, like all of these things that we're consuming are constantly depleting that dopamine. So honestly, it's kind of good to not always have such short-term constant content consumption because... It just, I don't know, humans weren't meant to have all of this at our fingertips all the time. Going off of that, I think what you're describing is a culture of entertainment. um, And we've never seen something like this before. I mean, previous generations would 
be amazed with how much entertainment that we constantly have at our fingertips and we aren't evolved to be able to handle yeah. all of this i mean people used to be entertained with like you had two books at your house and that was like oh gosh, the biggest yeah. deal ever like books were so expensive or you walked out in like the square and there was someone dancing or like a jester or something and that was like oh my gosh yeah you most... someone's playing a folk song now you know? it's like if you're bored just look up some random youtube video and then you got dive down a hole of millions and millions of millions well, of other videos. Well, well, not even that, but I mean, you, you, like I sometimes watch a TV show and that's not enough. I need to also be on my phone. I need to also have someone next yeah. to me. I need to like be texting while I'm talking to someone. It's ridiculous. And everyone is so accustomed to it. And sadly, I think this culture of entertainment is taking us away from a culture of purpose and humanhood and and really finding your purpose in the world and also health yeah health people um, are less mindful about their health and i mean obviously working out is great but there's also really other really important things that have to do with your mental health and your daily routine like always having a phone on you isn't good these devices are releasing so much radiation all the time and there's a reason why the whole 5g conflict is so controversial right now is because there are doctors that are fighting for it to not be really? a thing because it may speed up the, um, I guess, the speed of, like, our devices or our computers. But, like, there is so much radiation around us all the time, especially in homes with Wi-Fi. Like, even when we're sleeping, when you think that your phone is away from you or on the other side of the room or on your desk or whatever, there's Wi-Fi flowing. You can't see it, and this is why people don't understand the magnitude of it, but... It's radiation that is at a heat temperature that we can't even understand. Mm -hmm. Like, it's measured in Kelvin, which is the same temperature scale as the sun. And we're we're probably going to see more health effects coming out in in upcoming years because we have only had these devices for a decade. Yeah. And at least the young people that are exposed to them the most are still young. So we maybe have, like, we don't understand what that could end up doing. Yeah, no, and I think that honestly, you know, as much as as much as, you know, we're trying to make the best of the time right now between the quarantines and COVID and and how to go about that, but I don't I don't know if the answer is just more screen time. I mean, if you think about it, no, online not. school, little kids be trying to do online school, um, parents who still have to work, so if their kid isn't doing online school, they're just watching TV all day. TV becomes a nanny. I know my friends, no one can get a job right now. We're incoming seniors in college, and the only people I know who are employed right now are people that whose parents could give them a job. I, I have friends that couldn't even get their jobs back at um, restaurants, and I have friends that like work at a gym, and that's their sense of purpose, which... Not to describe, not to say any of that's wrong, but I mean, having a job is so important and so like it's purpose. Getting up in the day, having a routine, yes. even as something as simple as like, you know, um, you know, just a, a daily job, like you know, just a, a small incoming job. I mean, you don't have to be a CEO to have a sense of purpose, you know. No. And I know so many of my friends that just are sleeping in every day during quarantine. I know I was in that routine, being on your phone all day. My brother just plays Xbox literally all day. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I don't think that's what people want. And it's so sad because right now there's just, the economy is so horrible, nothing's open. 
no one has any other choice. Like Seem, what I've seen is it seems like people are either giving up or they're just so negative that they don't even understand their negativity. Yeah. And I don't like that. And also in reference to kids learning virtually, something that's really important with learning in the classroom, which I honestly didn't really realize when, when I was growing up, is we have all these senses, right? Like taste, touch, smell, audio receptors, visual receptors. All these things are so important when it comes to learning. And the only two senses that are activated when you're online virtually is you can hear what someone's saying and you can see a tiny little screen. Interesting. It is extremely different when you're in person being able to read body language and being around other human beings that are also giving off body language and like reaction and engagement. That all aids in your memory, putting that into long-term memory of like, this was an experience. I, I totally believe that. Like, I know oh. I know for me, I, I, I don't have, my memory is solely based off of images. So like, if even if I'm auditory, like even if I'm listening to a podcast, how I remember what that person said is I have an image of where I was when I was yeah, listening to I'm it. Yeah, I'm like the same. And it's the same thing in the classroom. Like I kind of associate it with like what people were wearing that day or what the professor looked like or what that day of the week was. And when everything is just on your computer all day, I can't even imagine. And when you're younger, that must be even harder. I know that little kids, when they're learning to read, they need to be able to see um, the teacher's mouth making the the enunciations. Huge. And Mm -hmm. I don't see how you can do that really over a screen. (laughs) I don't either. Because say a teacher held up a book to the screen, you can see the images, but like you can't hear or see the narrator. Yeah. And like that's important because then – that can person is the, able to like yeah. narrate with emphasis and like be animated and like I don't know look at them and it's, look it's at like, their mouth and, and make the like little kids literally have to look at your mouth and see the different shapes and movements and how your tongue works in order to pronounce certain sounds and stuff and that's yeah. totally getting someone lost. told me recently that as you get older um so I used to always think that I had a fo- photographic memory like when I was younger I certain things that I did in school were literally like completely because I had a picture memory. Like I remember I memorized all my multiplication tables. I was the first person to do it because there was this sheet that had all of them on there. And I literally just like remembered the page. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older, it's kind of like gone away. But I think that little kids, just all those senses are so primal and it's like at their peak. And like when you're doing it virtually, I, it just, at at what point are we going to let this, control that because Mm -hmm. these kids are the next generation that is going to be in our world yeah and it's like if they're not learning properly we could be at a huge disadvantage Mm -hmm. as a a society yeah 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 I think another thing that um you know skepticism really ties into is uh religion um I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Michael Schumer but he actually is a professor at our school and he teaches skepticism and he has a podcast he's been on Joe Rogan a few times and he you know he really does things like debunking um uh holocaust deniers and that sort of thing he's just brilliant but so sick yeah I think religion is something that in the last like 50 60 years we've been very skeptical towards especially with more scientific knowledge coming out and people feeling more free to embrace um secularism which I think um you know faith and reason have this healthy relationship and Uh you kind of 
should you shouldn't just like fully just believe something just because you're told it um so I think ultimately that's good but it's kind of moved into this direction where secularism is becoming its own religion in and of itself I feel Mm. like I don't know if you kind of know what I'm talking about but it's like these things that we like blindly have to just accept as facts and it feels like even though there's not like a god at the center of this it's Mm -hmm. like government has become the god or like I don't know it could be whatever it could be whatever but it's like something else is like replacing that authoritative role and I just don't like that because I think individuals should be able to think for themselves and, and reason through things and yeah, come I don't up with think their that, that should of... be their campaign either, like filling the void that maybe some of these other religions can't fill. Yeah, or for some reason, religion has just created such a. I don't. I feel like so many people have such a, especially with some of the social issues that are going on right now. It's like religions that are some of the most well established, like have been around forever are just getting ripped apart because of either controversial topics or people that have done bad things. And it's like, I still believe that even with religion, like you should be skeptical about certain things, like create your own opinions and, um, I don't know, critical thinking Mm -hmm. based around it. But like, I don't know, it's just really interesting to see all of these like groups and belief systems yeah, right I think I think you should. I think people should realize that just because something isn't being advertised as a religion doesn't mean that it doesn't still come with some sort of like authoritative yeah. vibe. Like just because there isn't this god or gods that's like at the hierarchy of it doesn't yeah. mean that there's this authority that wants you to submit. It's probably the same your, setup. It's the same setup. The they same still setup want you to submit your entire personhood to this thing. You know, it's like Scientology back yeah. in the early 2000s. And, and yeah. like there's a set of commandments, rules that like they want you to follow or abide to. Or give or, your money to. Yeah, yeah, and be a part of. So it's a community, but there's also like authorities within that group and authorities that either have started it or are maintaining it and I mean the whole theme of this episode sometimes questioning authority is okay yeah and it allows you to not it's not that it's not like we we're trying to like encourage dominating Mm -hmm. no I honestly think it's just respectable to be more individual with okay this doesn't seem right like we all have a moral code built in within us and it's like if you have that conscience and you're able to decipher right between wrong like do your research just look into these groups look into these industries look into these um foundations that are very prevalent right now and some of the things we've talked about with the opioid crisis and the healthcare system and the news broadcasting channels and all these things like these are massive groups of people with large amounts of money and it's like i think it's totally okay to yeah. try to f- see how you fit into that and what your true genuine authentic opinions towards what they're presenting are well yeah and at the end of the day you're more important than the institution than the politician than the large government at the whole you know you're the person is always more, more important than the institution and so you should you should just always just 
question and make sure that you're making decisions that are best for you and mm-hmm. you can you know you're no one's going to be perfectly educated about something about, yeah. again going back to Jordan Peterson like everyone can fall into this trap and um even if you try to work your way through it but I think that's a great reminder to just be even more aware and really take this stuff in yeah and with this I totally think it's okay to be selfish because your health comes first if you're not healthy you're not presenting your best self you're not able to have as stable of a mental state that you would want and if you don't have that or if you're not maintaining that then like you're not presenting a good version of yourself to society yeah so I I think that in that sense like it is okay to be selfish because you're doing what's best for yourself and if if for future parents like express this to your kids like I I'm gonna try to do that and as much as maybe teachers will say, respect your doctors, respect your whatever, there's amazing doctors. Am- like, there are amazing people in these industries, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I think I also want to instill in my kids that, like... Empower them. Yeah, empower them to, like, also create their own um, intuition. Yeah, no, yeah. Tr- trust yourself at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so is there anything else that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I think we pretty much talked about everything (laughs) big. I mean, this is huge. There's so many other industries that we could dissect even more. Yeah, there were some we had to kind of cut because we didn't want to bore you guys too much. But we could do a part two, maybe at some point. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) This this particular subject, I do kind of want feedback from anyone who listens. Like, I kind of want to hear what people think about this. Like, this is I don't really see a lot of this on social media. Yeah, guys. So we've been developing um well we have our patreon account we also have our locals.com account which Mm -hmm. we're setting up which actually is a really cool uh i think technology tool i don't know if you guys are familiar with it but basically a community it's almost like a private social media group where Mm -hmm. you know we post an episode of the podcast and people can discuss in like a long form uh way you know about these topics yeah and there's no distractions like on twitter there are distractions everywhere you look because yeah. there's just so much content but on there it's completely geared towards whatever curated. whatever that group is or say a podcast for example so then it's like a good environment to actually like dive into this stuff and not have a limit of how many words you're able to write yeah or for sure like that. for sure so yeah go check that out locals is really cool um, I don't know. Do we have any other updates? No, I think that's it. This is right this now. is highly inspired C point oh. Yeah, we're really excited. I guess our last update is that stay tuned. Our next episode, we're having a our our first guest for highly inspired two point oh. So that's yeah. gonna be exciting. We um, she's a mutual friend. Really cool. Um, we're excited to get into some more feminine topics. Or I don't yeah. even know. It's it's a it's a boatload of stuff, but um. We definitely want to get in the habit of having more guests because that is something we've been wanting to do for a while and also uploading more frequently. So we're really excited about that too. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll have a great rest of your week and tune in next time. 